0: The Medrash, in Parshas Emor cites Shlomo Melech as someone who attempted to decipher the symbolism of the Dalad Minim. Medrash cites various psukim, describing Shlomo's surpassing intellect. Hachachma chachma nasunlach <laughs> Pasakin Shlomo Melech knew wisdom, theology, Pasakin in Aleph, vateirev, shlomo kam adam. His intellect and his wisdom surpassed all other people. Yet Yashavlo Tama Al Arba Minim Halalu. He was baffled by the symbolism of the four Minim. The Midrash cites a Pasuk in Mishle, in which Shlomo says Shlo Arba There are three mitzvahs. But the group of four mitzvot is impenetrable. The three mitzvot, of course, are Pesach, Matzo, Mara, the mitzvot of Pesach. That Shlomo was able to comprehend. But the Arba, the four mitzvot, as opposed to the three of Pesach, the four of Sukkot, of Sukkot, lo yidatim. I'm not able to grasp them. Cognitively, they remain a mystery. Why these mean them? What makes them so symbolic? Why are they grouped together in a floral arrangement? The Gemara in Tainus on Daf Beis asserts, on Beis in the beginning of Tainus, that these are four minim that are necess- that, that require constant water supply, suggesting that they're taken on Sukkot because this is the umt if we daven for water and we're judged for water. There's got to be something more about these minim other than the fact that they need so much water. There are plenty of species, plenty of vegetations, of fruits, of trees, of branches that require constant water. In fact, at least to the naked eye, the lulav, which comes from a palm tree, doesn't require that much water as it grows in desert climates. Those of you who have ever gone down to the Yam HaMalach or traveled up to tveria have seen all the palm trees in the Kefish Arava which is a desert climate. Now, they may have roots that are able to provide water supply even in a desert climate, but at least experientially, they don't grow near the water in the same way that Ayravot do or the way that Esro can only grow in tropical climates with large quantities of water and warm climates. The Rambam in the Mare tried to tackle this question. The Rambam in Mare Nebuchem, Chela Gimel, section Mem Gimel 43, sees these four species as superior, as elegant, as noble and attractive, natural to the climate of Eretz Yisrael, able to sustain their freshness across an entire week rather than other fruits and vegetables, which may become rotten or may become wilted in a day or two rather than seven days, the duration of the So according to the Rambam, These four Minim are selected because they're indigenous to Eretz Yisrael, because they're so luxurious and attractive, because they retain their freshness across a seven-day period. But there may be some other symbolisms, which Chazal were able to voice through the Midrashim, through various Drashals, that may provide a more precise and a complementary symbolism for why these four Minim are selected. I'd like to describe each of these minim, the Esrog, the Hadassim, the Ravos, and the Lulav, in four successive shiurim. And I'll use each min, I'll employ each min to help describe a broader symbolism of the four minim in total together, but a symbolism which is accentuated in particular by that min, which is emphasized or encapsulated by that min. The Esrog, of course, is the most visually Unique of the four minim, as a separate color, completely separate shape. It alone is a fruit. The Rambam already writes that the identity of a pre hadar the Torah employs the term pre hadar We translate that terminology into an esrog. Is part of our tradition, handed down from father to child, from Rebbe to Talmud. There is no objective manner of associating the word pre hadar which could be any citrus fruit fruit, it could be an orange, it could be a grapefruit, it could be a lemon. The identification of pre hadar, a citrus fruit, with esrok is part of our unbroken chain of the Masara, the same way that we know the tefillin are black, even though the Torah never mentions the color black, it was handed down from generation to generation. And yet, the Gemara makes several attempts to derive etymologically from the words pre hadar the identity of an esrog itself. As the Rambam writes, these drashos are asmachtos, they have no halachic meaning. Halachically, we take an esrog because our masara dictated an esrog as opposed to other fruits. But the fact that these drashos, cited by the Gemara on Daflamit Hay and in various midrashim, don't have halachic meaning, makes them even more revelatory and even more compelling and helping us understand the identity of an Esrok, as I mentioned before, the symbolisms of the four menim in general. Perhaps the most prominent drasha is a drasha which the Gemara cites anonymously. It's cited in all the Midrashim, Tanur Abanan pre-Eitz Hadar. When the Torah describes Esrok, it mentions the tree, not just the fruit. Eitz, take the fruit of a tree, Shetam Eitzau, wiperio shava. The fruit of a tree whose fruit and bark and wood both have flavor. The esrog wood is aromatic. You can smell the esrog if you cut open a branch of the esrog tree. You can't actually eat the tree of an esrog, but it's one of the trees whose wood is more similar to the fruit. In fact, if you've ever dissected an esrog or seen the insides of an esrog, not only is the tree fruit-like, but the fruit is tree-like. As opposed to other citrus fruits like grapefruits and oranges, in which the actual fruit, the juice, is very large, the fruit section of an esrog is rather small, miniature. Most of the esrog Most of the esrog fruit is composed of the peel and the pulp, very, very thick pulp. The actual fruit sections are very, very small and and contracted, which is why most people or animals won't eat esrog as an actual fruit. The esrog jelly or the esrog fruit could be extracted for medicinal purposes and to make jelly or jam. Why is this important? Chazal tell us that originally when the world was created all the trees were edible. Not only were the fruits edible, but the barks, the branches, the wood, were edible as well. Not only did man rebel and create a fallen world by disobeying God, but nature also fell. Now, whether nature's fall was associated with the fall of man, because man is the pinnacle of nature, and when man disobeys God and ruins his world, nature falls as well, or the fall of nature was parallel. To the fall of man. Chazal may be describing nature with an animated spirit. Generally, we feel that nature doesn't have the choice. Nature, the only creature with freedom of choice, is man. But Chazal described that Akhirj Baruch originally intended for nature for all the trees and their fruits to be edible commonly. We live in a fallen world. Every aspect of our reality is fallen, spiritually, morally politically, ethically, but part of that fall can be sensed in a fallen nature. And we live in a world that's fallen, nature that's fallen, and that's symbolized by our inability to fully extract nature's full resources, to fully marshal her forces and energies. Most poignantly, a tree, which takes a lot of tilling and irrigation and work, produces only a fraction of its potential productivity. The fruits, or indeed the vegetables we extract, are only a portion or a fraction of the actual tree. And that's a symbol for the fall of nature. Could you imagine how much food would be available if we could actually ingest or consume the tree, the branches, and not just the fruit? The S-rogue is a throwback. The S-rogue is a fruit that most closely resembles the state of all fruit trees prior to the fall of nature and, of course, in a broader sense, prior to the fall of man. By selecting an esrog, we're trying to rejuvenate and resuscitate a fallen world, not just a fallen natural world, but by extension, a fallen moral world, a fallen religious world, a fallen world in general. By selecting an esrog, which is Tam Eitzel Uperio Shavin, we're taking, excuse the mixed metaphor, but a fossil, or fossilized version of what all fruits were like in Gan Eden, and hopefully what all fruits will be like one day, when Gan Eden is restored. In fact, the Gemara cites additional drashos, which also suggests, which also suggests that an esrog provides greater productivity and greater produce, greater yield in other trees, suggestive of the fact that we're trying to select a part of nature that more closely resembles a more productive past. So, for example, um, after the Gemara issues that initial drasha, that the wood tastes like the fruit, avo says you should read the Pasuk not only as pre hadar, as a beautiful citrus fruit, Ela shadar bilano mishana lishana The esrog evidently is not just a seasonal yield but the etrogim can remain on the trees beyond the, the typical harvest cycle namely fruits have to be harvested because at a certain point they'll rot they'll spoil they can't remain on the tree So human beings are forced to harvest, and that harvest process climaxes during Sukkot, which is the Chag HaAsif, when all the fruits which have been harvested over Pesach and have dried over the summer are now collected and stored in the silos. But in theory, if fruits could remain on trees for longer periods without rotting, nature would be more productive, would be more efficient man wouldn't be limited or confined to a harvest cycle. He could harvest based on need, based on convenience, based on time availability, not based on seasonal compulsion or seasonal impetus. So once again the Esrog reminds man of a different realm or a different order of nature which would provide greater efficiency and greater productivity. Another drush of the Gemara suggests the productivity of an esrog. The Gemara, again citing the pasuk of Preet's Hadar, cites Rabbi's drasha. Rabbi interpreted the word Hadar with poetic license through the drasha. The word Hadar means either citrus or beautiful, attractive. Rabbi interpreted it as the word deer, dalid yud reish, which is a corral, which is a barn. Rebbe said the esrog represents, or models, simulates a barn. Just as in a barn or a corral, there are large animals, and small animals, all different types of animals. Similarly, on an esrog tree, Rebbe says, there are gedolim, kitanim, temimim, ba'alimumim. Rebbi sensed that an esrog tree was unique, because unlike other trees which produce standard fruits, either larger apples, let's say, or smaller apples, tastier apples, or uh, bitter apples. An esrog has that diversity of different fruits, large esrogim, small esrogim, tasty ones, ruined ones, nicer ones. Obviously, there are deeper associations with this image of the diversity of an esrog tree, but this also suggests that an esrog tree yields greater productivity. You can employ a tree to produce not necessarily different species, but different varieties of the same species. So whether it was Rebbe's Drusha that an esok tree contains large and small ones, or it was the original drusha that an esok tree has bark and wood that tastes similar to the fruit, or whether it was Rebbe Avo's Drusha that the esrogim can remain on the tree without being harvested a threat of spoilage, all these drashos highlighted the productivity of an esrog, and in particular, the productivity as reminiscent of a bygone era, in which nature was perfect. And trees didn't just yield limited fruits, but yielded a larger, larger crop. Because not only was the fruit edible, but the bark and the wood was edible, and had utility as well, beyond just for coal and for energy, for energy and for... Uh, and for carpentry. And it reminds us that the Esrog in particular is a throwback to an era before nature fell. According to various sources in the Medrash, the Esrog is a throwback to Gan Eden for another reason. Not just because its productivity surpasses that of other trees, and not just because its surpassing productivity is because of a common utility for both fruit and wood, reminiscent of that condition in Ganeidon, but because the Esrog was actually the fruit of the Eitz Adas. It was the fruit of man's first sin. It was the fruit that Adam was instructed not to eat, the only fruit. And by including the Esrog within Dalaminim, we are atoning and repairing for that misdeed, for that infraction. We were not meant to eat the Esrog. And because we ate an Esrog, we fell from Ganeidon. And because we fell from Gan Eden, nature also fell. And part of nature's fall is a less productive world, a world in which we can only marshal or exploit a limited fraction of nature's true resources. And we try to reverse that process and rebuild the fallen world by taking the Esrog, and not just the Esrog, but all four Minim. And this lends to the Dalen Minim a historically or naturally restorative capacity. The, uh, there's a medrash in Mishnah Belazar that the four menim, at least phonetically and etymologically, elicit memories of the four rivers of Gan Eden. The four rivers that emerged from Gan Eden and that nourished the world. Medrash says as follows. One river was Pishon, this is associated with the Arava. The word Pishon, according to this medrash, suggests fertility. The Arava grows near water. The second river was Gichon. Gichon, according to this medrash, is associated with Hadassim. Various associations for various reasons. The third river was Chidekel. Sounds like Lulav, Dekel The fourth river, Pras. Pras has two letters similar to Pre. Pri is associated with Esro. The Medrash has various tools to associate each of the four minum respectively with each of the four rivers of Gan Reminding us that not just the Esro, but each and every min is reminiscent and is symbolic of a component of Gan And a component of Ghanedin that was meant, a component of nature in Ghanedin, that was meant to sustain the world, to enhance the world, and to provide human welfare. And those four rivers, and the productivity of those rivers, were also compromised by the fall of man and the fall of nature. So the first symbolism of and Minim, and in particular of the Esrog, is an attempt to return to Gan particularly through the symbolism of the Esrog, and to restore our fallen world. The Medrash in Pasikta de Rav Kahana cites a Pasuk in Tehillim which describes I'll read the Pasuk to you. Pasuk in Tehillim in chapter 102 Parakufbeis. T'kosev zos l'dor acharon. Write this for subsequent generations. Ve'am nivra yehalel And the nation which is created will praise Hashem. The overall interpretation of the Medrish is of not just creation, but of regeneration and resurrection, not physical resurrection, but national and moral resurrection, which will occur in the end of time write these words for those who will live in the final generations and a nation that is created will praise Hashem as the Medish interprets various different options for the end of days in the final generations which these messages are intended for but the Medish concludes that one day Hashem will recreate man as a new being, as a new creature, reminiscent of the original man created, perfect man created in a perfect world. Yemossa Mashiach will resemble Gan Eden, without chait, without Yetzihara, without flaw, without imperfection. The Amnivra, Hashem will one day create people as the Beriah Chadasha. And the Medush concludes, Uma leinu How do we praise Hashem for this? re resurrection, of this resuscitation and rejuvenation of the perfect state of man. Ma'aleinu <speaking> l'asos, <in Hebrew> the concludes in Psiktit Rav Likach lulav, the Esrog, L'kales <speaking in Hebrew> Baruch We praise Hashem particularly with the lulav and the Esrog, particularly the Dalad Minim, remind us before we reach the state of perfection and redemption, of what it was like to live in Eden before we fell, in the hope that we, through our actions, through our moral courage, through our national commitment, will rebuild a world in that original, primordial, perfect state. And we'll thank Hashem, and we thank Hashem, we daven to Hashem for that state, and we'll thank Him through Dalit Minim. So this symbolism of the Dalit Minim as reflecting the state of Gan Eden and the mitzvah as prompting the return to Gan Eden is true about all four Minim, in particular, as the all four Minim, each of the four Minim, are associated respectively with a different one of those rivers, but in particular the Esrog, because it may have been the fruit of the Yetz It certainly is a fruit that most closely resembles all fruits and their trees in Gan Eden, because not only is the fruit edible, but the tree has the same aroma, the bark, the wood, And the estrog in particular captures the symbolism of all four menim in our attempt to restore Ganeda. This is part one of a four-part series describing four symbolisms of the abramenim in particular as captured by a particular men.